Hey guys, I'm Laurel Turner, and I'm one of the producers here at KCSU, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Joseph Brown last week. He's from the Department of Academic Integrity here at CSU, and I wanted to talk to him all about Ramtegrity Week, the week that CSU celebrates and talks about academic integrity. Okay, so Academic Integrity Week is the week of October 10th. What is Academic Integrity Week? Well, it's just a week where we try to focus all of our efforts on capturing you know, the attention of students and faculty on this issue um, and just to raise awareness for it. It's been around for, for years now. This is not new. Um, last year, in fact, it was an entire month um, because I'm new <laughs> and also because of some of the feedback we got from our campus partners. Um, I thought it was a, a prudent idea to bring it back down to a week. Yeah. Um, you know, people were very supportive um, across campus. If we wanted to do a month, we would have done it. I mean, they, they, they were supportive of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but frankly, I thought five days, let's start there. Let's see if there's a need for more than that. Right. Um, and then give each day a focus and, and try to um, get people's attention on the issue. And what are the focuses this year? Well, broadly speaking, we're calling it Ramtegrity Week. Okay. So what we that's on purpose. We, I want to I want folks to think of integrity being an ideal that's integral to their identities as as a Ram, as mm-hmm. as being a student here. Right. So I know that, you know, one of the things that struck me when I came to campus was that students take very seriously the idea of, you know, being a RAM. And they, they have very <laughs> defined ideas about what that means. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to ca- capture that in some sense. We want them to see this as part of their identity, especially as they become, uh, they move on from being students of the institution to being professionals who represent the institution. Okay, so what do you think um, students should see as far as their investment in their own uh, integrity and making it integral into who they are and their identity. Um, what do you see as the reasoning why they should care? Hmm. Well, every year we're presented with examples, unfortunately negative ones, where people, either public spotlight or even in the workplace, um, don't show that they have integrity. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we see, this is this is a lasting part of their identity but it's a character trait and it's got to be nurtured okay like any other ones you know you you know kids I have two kids and they're not naturally honest okay (laughs) I mean I don't know they're naturally anything I don't think any small child is and if they are it's usually not for a good reason right (laughs) um so by the university you know kind of committing to this effort they've said let's make this part of the work that we do here Let's encourage students to nurture that and to, to see it as part of something they have to practice. Yeah, almost like a habit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I was struck by when I first came to campus was um, the way that those habits can then reinforce themselves. Yeah. So, you know, you, you see someone being kind to someone. It's really hard to not be kind after that. So every morning, um, I take the bus on the campus, and uh, I don't know. I thought that people in the South were, were nice, or that's, that was the oh you know, sure that's southern hospitality, yeah. Right. I don't know. If that's exactly true. There are moments since moving to Colorado where I've just been struck by how kind people are here. And on the bus every morning, uh, when we reach the transit center and people get off, um, or if in the afternoons when they get off the bus to their stop, they thank the bus driver. Yeah. 
You know, it's just so kind. Yeah. And it's reached a point where if you don't do it, you really feel like a jerk. Yeah, you do. Cause it's like, oh man, I'm the one person in this line who didn't say thank you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's what we're really shooting for here. We want it to become so a part of what students do in their, their experience as a student on campus to have integrity, to illustrate that in their, in their course assignments, in their graded work, but also just in talking with each other, encouraging each other, modeling it for each other, that you know, when they don't engage in it, that's a really obvious outlier. And right, right. Mm-hmm. ultimately kind of sustains itself. Right. Now, um, as you well know, in order to solve a problem, especially something that can be almost cultural, like academic integrity and cheating, you have to understand the problem itself. So maybe let's talk about um, the need for academic integrity or the lack of it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think students turn to cheating and plagiarism? Well, at an institution like CSU... We have, you know, obviously a lot of high-performing students. I mean, this was, for a lot of students, this was the very first school at the top of their list. Right. And um, one of the things we see often in the hearings is the this game that happens once you hit campus where you realize, oh, my goodness, I'm around a lot of really smart people. Yeah, you're, you're a small fish in a very big pond. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, then you talk to your fellow students and your friends and, you know, you, you hear about how they're doing in class. And I think that that drives up a, a sense of competition, mm-hmm. you know, um, that encourages people to be focused on end results and not necessarily on the process of getting there. Right. right. The process of learning and discovery. Uh huh. Exactly. So that's one part of it. I think also, you know, look, 35 percent of all of our cases last year were, were freshmen. So over a third. Yeah. Okay. That tells me some things. First of all, um, we need to be reaching out more to high schools and, and thinking about how we're talking to students about this issue as a transition into the institution. Um, it tells me that we're doing some things right, that the longer they're here, the less of a problem this is. Right. They're hearing the message. Um, but it also tells me that this is part, fund, part of fundamentally the process of becoming an adult, you know, managing your own schedule, figuring out um, how to balance that you know, the, the stresses that come with being, you know, on your own yeah. for the first time. Yeah, something that matures over time for sure. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of the things that I hear in a hearing um, and when a student is accused of academic misconduct involve, you know, just being overwhelmed. You know, suddenly they're, they, they think taking four and five classes is like taking four and five classes in high school. And it's, it's really not. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not, no. And then you throw on top of that, you know, the whole... Got to have to take care of myself. I have to make sure I go to bed at a reasonable time and get right. enough sleep and um, manage a study schedule on my own yeah, without yeah. someone over me telling me how to do that. And so what I hear a lot of um, from students is, you know, I got behind. Um, I made a poor decision because mm-hmm. I was exhausted. Or I procrastinated and I left exactly. the last minute, got desperate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's those those parts, you know, taken individually, you know, they kind of help us see a bigger picture um, when you put them together. Um, that kind of reminds me of a quote that I think I've brought up with you before from Neil deGrasse Tyson. And paraphrasing it, essentially, he says, when we put more emphasis on students' grades and not enough emphasis on just them learning, that's when they turn to cheating. I, I completely agree with that. In fact, um, we were just talking with a plagiarism expert um, out of New Orleans, uh, Jonathan Bailey, and he said something very similar. You know, and it's maybe maybe that's part of an overall drive in higher ed. I mean, right, right. it's expensive and it's getting more expensive. Which so, means you usually have to rely on scholarships that 
are often GPA dependent. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And um, so that, that might be something we're, we're going to see more of just based on the nature of, you know, the financial realities of being in college. Right. Um, and that's okay. We can, you know, we can deal with that too. We can manage those discussions as well. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a, a very multifaceted and kind of complicated issue. So what sort of resources are out there for students to kind of help them form these better habits if, if that's what they would like to do? Sure. Well, you know, through the Institute for Learning and Teaching, um, there are a number of workshops that are hosted in the building that have to do with just basic life skills like time management, study skills. Right. Right. So, you know, we encourage students to engage with those before they ever end up in the, um, the you know, the Student Resolution Center office, which is yeah. the, the conduct office. Um, those those are part of, of you know, the uh, the cure. OK, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, we have a number of resources available on our website. We have self-tests, um, you know, so students feel like they, they don't really understand what this issue is and maybe they're not hearing enough about it um, in their courses. They can come to our website. They'll see um, at tilt.colostate.edu. There's a whole portal for student resources um, under the Academic Integrity Program site. So we have a lot of, you know, kind of just frequently asked questions. Um, what does this mean? Right. You know, uh-huh. what, what are the rules at CSU uh, in terms of academic misconduct? Um, you know, how, how can I practice academic integrity in my class to make sure I'm in, the, um, in, in a good place with that? So we have those resources. Plus, we do a number of presentations across campus um, throughout, throughout the year. So it's likely students have already seen me or heard me um, in some of their courses. Um, mm-hmm. And other than that, um, the Student Resolution Center office does a good deal of outreach involving um, kind of prevention and, and also helping students understand once, once they do interact with that office or they're accused of academic misconduct, to understand the impact of their actions yeah, and so that they're less likely to do it again. So we've kind of talked before about some misconceptions that students have about the process involved in academic integrity if they make a bad decision and they have to face the consequences. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those misconceptions? Okay, so the, the the top two are weird mirror images of each other. Okay. So the first one is nothing's really going to happen. Right. You know, just a yeah. slap on the wrist. I'll get caught and I'll apologize and it'll be no big deal. Sure. Um, that's not true. Um, you know, the institution takes it very seriously. Um, when I first came here and I was learning about kind of the, the organization of this and, and the rules, it's number one in the student conduct code. I mean, number one, that's in the conduct code covers a lot of things like punching people in the face and (laughs) stealing things, you know, all the way up to really horrible stuff. You know, we're number one in that book. And it tells you that the institution sees it as integral to part of their academic mission. Right. Um, It's not true. The very basic thing that's going to happen, even at the the lowest level, if you're found responsible for academic misconduct, you're going to there's going to be a severe grading penalty. Right. And that's really up to the professor, what they wrote in their syllabus. Most cases, that means you fail the assignment. It could mean you fail the class. Yes. Um, it's entirely up to the faculty member at that point. There can be things beyond that as well, other sanctions that we ap- apply. So and that leads me to the second one. The other one is the, the mirror image is I can be kicked out. You know? Right. Well, okay. So expulsion is part of our sanctioning process, and so is uh, suspension. But it's it's extremely rare for that to be the first right. offense kind of sanction that would be appropriate. Generally, when we when we talk about suspension, we're talking about someone who we have tried to reach multiple times. Um, so they've they've cheated multiple times. We've given them sanctions to help educate them right. on what it was they did wrong 
and, you know, help them see the impact and, you know, grow as a student and understand that this yeah, is not something you do. Yeah, try to guide them in a better direction. Uh-huh. Exactly. So most of our sanctions are actually designed for that. They're actually educational in nature. So, you know, it's not, it's not rare for a student to see, um, you know, they'll be assigned some writing. You know, they'll be you know, asked to um, listen to people who have been impacted by similar decisions. Right. Um, but it's you're normally not suspended until, you know, there's not really a number there, but it's after multiple chances of, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get it and you just haven't. Yeah. So, you know, the the, the example I, th- I think of is there was a student um, recently who when I was telling I, I suspended him over the summer and I, d- I didn't take that decision lightly. But when I went back and I looked at all the sanctions for my predecessor, this dated back years. Um, he's a, he was a senior this year. And I looked at the, the sanctions that had been applied. He literally had exhausted every single sanction in our book. There was nothing left. Um, and even now, he was, a, he was a bit reluctant to take responsibility for what he had done in the, in the course. And so when I wrote his letter, I said, you know, we've tried everything at this point to get your attention. Yeah. And I hope this will be the thing to do it. And I really do believe that it's not just something I wrote. I really do hope at this point that he understands and he comes back with a renewed kind of understanding of the issue, but also a sense of purpose and finishes a degree, moves on. See, this is why I love doing interviews like this, because I feel like when faced with the title of academic integrity, most students kind of get glossy eyed and they shut it down to be a very boring topic. But they also probably perceive it to be this austere thing of, you know, a, a gavel goes down and like boom zero you know but in reality it's a very you know person driven sort of institution that is not there with the goal of punishing students it's the goal of can we make you into a better student make you into a better ram and that's just objectively defined as someone who's honest about their work absolutely yeah students gotta remember you know we chose you we admitted yeah. you. Yeah. We're invested in you. It's, you know, we, we want you to do well here. Um, so our first inclination is trying to help you fix that problem. One of the things I really um, love about my coworkers at the Student Resolution Center is they're very adept at trying to understand the root causes of this behavior. Right. And they're very good at reaching out to campus partners when, that's, when that seems appropriate. So a student who comes in... And it's clear that they're having trouble managing their, their lives, yeah, you know, yeah. and their time. Well, we can reach out across campus to people who are really good at that, um, who who offer programs for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there've been, a, a, you know, occasions where a student comes in who is definitely trying to manage some sort of, you know, mental illness or you know, just mm-hmm. kind of anxiety or something there that is beyond our ability to address it. And so. You know, we, we have we built over the years that office has built connections with, um, you know, health network. Um, and you know, there have been, been times where we've just we've seen people walk students down and say, hey, I'd really like for you to talk to this, this person. Yeah. And, 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 they, and they try to get to the issue that's underlying the, the cheating. Yeah, because health, the health network actually does have workshops and classes that take that lens of, okay, maybe your ability to manage your stress is the culprit here. Yeah. And we can help you with that. Absolutely. Because I used that resource when I was an undergrad. And I didn't even realize that that's what I needed. I thought I was just bad at managing my time. <laughs> and it was something more. And it was like, well, then this is this is what I needed. Absolutely. And it, it made all the difference. Yeah. That's great. So going back to the point that um, everyone can kind of generally acknowledge that oftentimes 
students think academic integrity is this boring thing. They may not even see it as much of an issue because here at CSU, it's not that big of an issue. Um, so why do you think, you know, appealing to students and even appealing to faculty that this kind of week, this academic integrity week, deserves to be on their radar? How do you want to change the conversation around something that's tagged as boring? Sure. Well, so as a former professor, one of the things that was struck struck me about teaching students was that, you know, when they come in, they think this four years is going to last forever, right? I mean, yeah. you know, because four years is a long time um, when you're young. <laughs> um, if we think of, so if we think of students as only students who we only have for four years, um, that can limit, you know, helping helping us all understand why this might be a vital part of their identity when they leave the institution. Mm-hmm. So what I suggest is thinking about yourself as a student, as, as a professional in progress. You know, in a blink of an eye, you're going to be in your profession, right? Um, I mean, hopefully, right? That's, that's, that's the hope. <laughs> that of, is the goal, right? yeah. Um, so it's really important when you're there. there there's, such, there's such big consequences, um, dramatic consequences in, in the profession for not acting with integrity. You know, I understand that when we talk about, you know, where, where um, parenthetical citations go and MLA formatting right. versus APA, that glaze begins to happen on the eyes. I totally understand that. That's why I've always said it's not a technical problem, right? It's, it's a character trait that we have to nurture. If we do that, the student who understands that this is important will seek those things out. They'll figure out the, the technical side of it. But when we understand that also what happens, we see the connection to our lives after the institution, after we've left college, because there are going to be moments in every profession where you have the opportunity to lie. Oh, okay? yeah. And, and it's going to hurt to tell the truth. There, yep. there's, that moment comes for everyone. Yes. And it's better to take that, you know, have those experiences to know that it's important outside of the institution. And suddenly when that moment comes for you, take a deep breath and you do the right thing. Yeah. And right? just power through it. Absolutely. I think the, the key to, for students not having the glaze over effect in their eyes when we talk about this issue is helping them see the relevance to their lives after they leave the institution. So when I've suspended students, just in the short time I've been here, you know, I understand that I've essentially put their lives on pause for 12 months, okay? But I'm worried about the next 12 months. Yeah, exactly. You know, in the next five years, one of the students I suspended um, over the summer, you know, it was our last chance to really... Uh, reach him because in a blink of an eye he'll be you know in five years he'll be probably one of the more senior people in his office right he'll probably have a family and suddenly his actions will have dramatic consequences for not just him but everyone around him so maybe at this moment when we've 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 hit the pause button on his educational career and he has to think about what has occurred in a you know in a reflective fashion maybe he comes back at it with with a different understanding Mm -hmm. and hopefully a little more maturity Yeah. Well, and I think kind of an appeal to any student out there who would be listening to this and saying, okay, well, you know, I've cheated a few times. I never got caught. It's not that big of a deal. Speaking from personal experience, if you, if you continue to accept the bad habits and you just, and I mean, frankly, lazily, you don't invest in kind of the hard work that goes into the good habits because it's not easy sometimes. Um, as time goes on, it gets harder and harder to break the bad habits and it gets harder and harder to form the good ones. And by the time you're a junior or senior, your classes are harder. 
and right. the temptation to cheat is higher. Um, and that's just kind of a nasty cycle. And then, you know, I, I knew people who graduated and they had kind of, you know, they they cheated a lot and they, they got through and they got there and they graduated and there were a lot of gaps missing from their education that they just, right. because they never learned how to do things, they couldn't really have jobs that required them to do those skills. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, students need to ask, what kind of professional do I want to be? Yeah. You know, it won't be long and, and you'll be that person for better or for worse. I mean, in a way, you know, a college education is a lot of things. Okay. It's a universe of information. It's a maturation process. Yeah. It's also a kind of training. We're uncomfortable saying that, right? Because it sounds like we're going to all yeah, go repair no, but it's air true. conditioners. I mean, now that I'm a grad student, I see it that way is I'm, a, I'm acquiring skills and knowledge that other people don't have and, and I'm going to gain it for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how we train ourselves, it matters yeah. for the, the end result. Um, it's something that athletics has understood a long, long time, and uh, and academics is you know we're coming around to it. I mean, the brain is a muscle, so it's exactly <laughs> it's not that different, you know. Um, so then, what personal encouragement would you give to students? Um, we'll start with undergraduate students about pursuing kind of this training perspective on their knowledge and and academic integrity. Sure, you know it's an everyday kind of thing, you know. If you're doing honest work on a day-to-day basis, don't think of it like, you know, don't let it get too far out of control. Don't think of the problem as being too big. It happens with little decisions. It has to do with like, you know, it's 11 p.m. or maybe I'm being generous. Maybe it's 1 a.m. Yeah, let's be honest. (laughs) When I talked to my students about it before, I said, you know, I know the situation is probably not exactly your situation, but something like this happens where it's late. It's the night before. And there are a lot of other things you'd rather do. You know, your, your buddies are out there playing Xbox. You'd rather go to bed. You'd rather go to bed. Yeah. You know, your girlfriend or boyfriend is just wanting to spend time with you. Exactly. Right. And you're faced with, you know, I've already, I've already waited the last minute, but I still have time and I could still do my own work. Exactly. Um, the other thing I talked to them about is, you know, we kind of, we have to get comfortable with the idea that sometimes we're just going to fail at things. Yep. It's really hard for students at this institution. Yes. It's, it's unlikely many of them have ever failed at anything, but it's also a lot harder here. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I talk sometimes, and I don't know if this is in vain, but about the virtue of failure, it teaches us some really important things about how we shouldn't have done things. No, exactly. I think, um, well, and, and maybe I have more luxury saying this as a graduate student, but there is so much to be learned from failure. And sometimes when you hear the most successful people talk, we talked about this last time, something simple like a chef's table, a food mm-hmm. documentary on Netflix. Some of the top chefs in the world they talk to and they've failed or they've been in jail or something didn't work out. And it made them better because they, they understood their their limitations, they understood that they needed to ask for help, and it was just kind of a, a very good learning moment for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that example. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with our freshmen, you know, it's you know, it's really hard to, to tell them that it's okay in those moments to say, I didn't do it. Yeah. You know? And, and also, you know, that, that's another point that, that, that leads us to, which is keep in mind your professors are human beings. Um, and, and sometimes when you're a freshman, it can be scary. 
to yes. go in and just say, Hey, I'm, I've messed this up. I, I really, I could use another day if you could see it yeah, you know, yeah. to give it to me. I, when I was an English professor and a student came to me and said, I'm really behind. Can I have another day? Routinely, I would say, you know what? I've got, you know, 25 of these I'm getting today. I'm probably not going to have time to make it all the way to the end of the pile. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just give me yours tomorrow evening? You yeah. know, um, I, I got to look um, really generous, but the truth is I really wasn't going to get to theirs <laughs> anyway. So, you know, sometimes just, you know, going and having a conversation and letting them know um, yeah. uh, instead of doing the easy thing in that moment, which would be to, you know, grab another essay and copy and paste or whatever. Exactly. Well, and I, I also know this from being a tutor and a, um, a TA and a grader and just being a student um, myself because I used to go through this this like cycle, this vicious cycle of, okay, well, I don't really know what I'm doing on this assignment, but I'm going to try and teach myself. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm not going to ask for help until I know what I'm doing, which <laughs> is a really strange way of viewing it. But I know so many students who would get stuck in that mentality of, well, I don't want them to know that I have no idea what I'm doing. Sure. Because I don't want them to think I'm dumb. Yeah. It's like your professors and your TAs are in this role to teach you. Exactly. So go ask for the service and say, look, I have no idea what's going on. I I really don't understand anything. Can you help me? I love that. I really hope that people take that to heart who are listening because, um, you know, when I, when I was teaching English, the student that I routinely thought was the smart student in the class was the one who would come see me in office hours and be like, what were you talking about? (laughs) You know, what, what is, what am I supposed to do with this essay that you've assigned? Yeah. Um, help me understand this. Um, as opposed to the know-it-all who really, you know, when you start to scratch that, that confident surface, you realize there's not a, they don't really know a whole lot. Um, you know, that was one of the things as an undergrad, um, you know, I was guilty of too, you know, I think we, we all have trouble being vulnerable in your knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, cause there's a whole power dynamic there, especially when it comes to a professor. I mean, they, these people are, you know, so, you know, in many cases, experts in their fields and, yes. you know, they've been, you know, tapped by the university to teach you. You really want to impress these people. I, I understand it, but they're, they really do care that you learn. Yeah. Well, and every now and, now and then you'll get the, uh, the outlier of maybe it's, it's a bad professor who doesn't care, but sure. in my personal opinion, I guess, um, I think it's worth it's worth kind of risking that being like, you know, I just, I want to learn what this thing is. I want to, you know, gain that skill gain that knowledge. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it and try to form those habits and find those resources to get to the point where you can be proud of the work that you did. Yeah. Even if it's an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. You know, and I I haven't met enough faculty on our campus yet to know if we have any of those, (laughs) but I will say from my experience at other institutions, Universities are really good at when they uh, at knowing that they, oh, they yeah. have those yes. professors, and yes. generally what they do is they cluster a lot of people around them that are accessible. Yes, exactly. So you know TAs who are really great, mm-hmm. um, you know study group leaders who are really great, that sort of thing. So you know even when you get into a tough situation, there are people to help. There's always an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always a choice that is probably better than cheating. Sure. Yep. Um, so then let's include a category that's often overlooked that is graduate students mm-hmm. um we've talked about this before the pressures on graduate students it, it's a different beast sure. than what um i certainly experienced in undergrad and i'm not sure how many cases you get with graduate students i imagine it's very few 
But what sort of encouragement would you give to graduate students that would be different than undergraduates? Well, the stakes are higher for graduate students for so many reasons. Um, You know, obviously, uh, because of I think that they're a little more reluctant to reach out to, to faculty, ironically, because the faculty have, I mean, but graduate students are the most invested oh, uh, students yes. on campus. Yes. And also we invest a lot more money in them. Um, but, you know, I think the the sense of wanting to be considered, you know, an intellectual equal. Yes. Um, to not, not appear to be the, you know, the dumb guy they admitted or anything like that. That, yeah. that, that drives a lot of, I think, destructive behavior when it comes to um, doing your own work and, and that sort of thing. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, a number of our graduate students are working on, uh, you know, federally funded projects. Yes. Um, and, you know, if you're in, involved in a project like that and there's some sort of ethical um, question that's raised, there are very real consequences. Oh, yes, the consequences get much bigger than a zero on an assignment or failing a class. Right, exactly. So yeah. we're actually coordinating with the Research Integrity Office on campus now to kind of, you know, kind of clarify, you know, what we're doing with graduate students on that yeah. and kind of figure out how we can collaborate on those issues. You're right that this is actually pretty rare, which I think speaks volumes about our graduate faculty um, who, you know, who are very good at working closely with, with yeah. our graduate students. Um, but... A lot of the support services that are on campus are really designed for undergrads, right? Yeah. So that that's a huge challenge when you know when you get into a class and you get an assignment, where you're like, I don't understand this. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get it. It's you can't just go to the tilt building, exactly, and, and meet a tutor who who's had it before. It just doesn't work that way. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I I definitely having been a graduate student, I understand um, the reluctance of going to someone who might eventually be on your dissertation committee. Or you know, or your thesis committee, and saying, "I don't get it," right? Um, but really, a lot of that when you when you start to pair, when you start to kind of peel back those layers, I mean, look, part of what we do, you, you've got to have a humility to 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 how you approach the work here. Yeah. Um, having been someone who was in graduate school, and been fortunate enough to get a tenure track job and, and be tenured, I can tell you this. Graduate school is absolutely where you want to make all your mistakes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because that's kind of the uh, the end of the line for absolutely being able to learn from them Yeah. quicker. Yeah. I, I think the smartest people I've ever met are the ones who said, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. who said, tell me more about that. I don't exactly follow. Because what they're really saying is, I want to understand more about what you're saying. I want to make sure I've got it. Yeah. Um, the ones that just kind of glaze over and just nod, you know, with a polite smile. Yeah. Those are the ones you've really got to wonder about. <laughs> Well, and I, I think um, even for graduate students, but I guess this applies to undergrad, undergraduate students as well, is um, when someone is teaching a class, if they are meticulous and they've planned it out, they think that they know exactly how to communicate the information. Sometimes they need the feedback that says, this wasn't clear to me. Yeah. Um, students learn in so many different ways. They process information in different ways, and it's okay to say, this isn't really what I need. Can you can you give it to me like this, you know, or just kind of tailor the way that students learn and teachers teach. And with graduate students, I would also say that um, I've seen really cool things happen when students ask other students for help, which is again, that vulnerability problem of saying, you know, this thing, I don't understand it at all. Can you help me? Um, Because in graduate school, especially for students who then go on to be professors, 
you have the ability to form really powerful relationships that will last a long time and might lead to collaborations in the future, you know, and kind of being able to say, uh, hey, dude, you, you, did you understand the homework? Because I really, Absolutely. I'm not getting it. Can you help me? Or go to the professor, you know, it's almost the same mechanism, just in a, in a different way. Yeah. I think graduate school is really um, helpful in the respect that you learn very, I think, very quickly who your allies are. You oh, know? yes. <laughs> you <laughs> usually know very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's important because when, you know, you have the shared experience of very difficult work and in a flash, you'll all be at different institutions. Right. And, the you know, you'll they actually kind of serve as a, you know, kind almost of like, like a buffer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, figure out who those people are for you as a, as a graduate student and, and, you know, use them. Share work with each other. I mean, in the sense that, you know, um, share, you know, what your struggles are with, yes. with the work. Yeah, yeah. Because um, ev- everybody's going through kind of the same crazy, stressful cycle uh, that's in grad school of, oh, I've got my orals coming up. I've got my lit sim coming up. And everyone just kind of knows, like, okay. Okay. You do your thing. I'll talk to you in two days. But because that stress level is almost equal, when someone's going through something rough, everyone's just like, okay, what do you need? Yeah. Can I help you? Your allies, at least, you know, are that way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about um, when I was in, when I was in graduate school, this wasn't related to any particular class, but um, a group of us got together and had like a writing group. Yeah. Um, And we met at my house like once a month and um, shared each other's work. So we were all English PhD students. And so we all had these different, vastly different projects. I mean, one of the guy was, one of the guys was working on an 18th century project. Um, another guy was working on, um, you know, habit and, and romanticism. And I was working on a crazy science fiction project. Yeah, yeah. And so, but, but, it, you know, we, we read each other's work, even though we didn't really know anything about mm-hmm. That's those the best fields. way to do it. Yeah. We were able to help. And in fact, all of those papers eventually were published. Um, and no one told us to go do that. We just kind of did it on our own. Um, because we 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 perceive like here's someone who can help exactly. So yeah. you know there there are those resources, but but also just remember, you know, your professors. You you know you got admitted to a very competitive program as a graduate student, and they've invested a, a lot of money and time in you. Yeah. And they want to see you succeed. Yeah, the selectivity is almost higher. I think it's higher in grad school. Oh yeah, absolutely. So in other words, be open with them. Let them know you're struggling and that you need help. I mean, even if you're not just, if you're not, you know, struggling, but you're confused, they are there to, to help you with that. Yeah, for sure. So then last but not least, um, what sort of resources exist for faculty? Sure. So we have a number of resources um, on our website, for example, but I also talk with faculty a good bit. Really, this can, um, one of the first things I tell them is to talk to their students about why the issue is important to them. You know, why they think academic integrity is valuable. Right. Um, you know, most of our professors understand the, the issue and the concept in, in regards to their, their, their field, mm-hmm. right? Um, their work as scholars. Right. right? Um, we have a number of resources that are designed to help them kind of facilitate those conversations they need to have with students. Um, so when I talk, start talking to students, for example, I talk to them about, you know, my work and how I would feel if I woke up one morning and learned that someone had basically stolen it and republished it as theirs. Right. You know, I, I talk about the impact of how I would feel. Um, and I try to draw those connections, you know, to the work that they're doing in, in my course. 
Um, but you know, our faculty are fantastic. I mean, they're really involved with the professional development side of, of Tilt. So working with them is, is really easy. It's just a matter of letting them know what's out there for us. Yeah, so we have a number of tutorials that they can assign in their classes to help students that they think are, you know, having trouble. Some, some of our professors just assign them uh, at the beginning of the semester. Mm -hmm. um, and so students start out with a basic knowledge of what not to do um, and how to approach it whenever they have to and, and engage with the ideas of others. Awesome. Okay, um, so Academic Integrity Week will be coming up, and students can check out, um, you guys have a Twitter feed. That's right, so we're at CSU Integrity. And students can go there and get information about all the cool events that you guys are doing. I think you mentioned that you're doing something with ASCSU on the plaza. That's right. On Tuesday, we'll be on the plaza with ASCSU. We'll be asking students to sign the pledge, the honor pledge for CSU, and you know, the first 250 students to do so will get a a hot cold pack with um, the Honor Pledge on it. Cool. That sounds awesome. And uh, as part as as part of the cool habits we do as Rams, um, always thank your bus driver. Absolutely. And uh, and check out Academic Integrity Week. All right, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Laurel. I would like to thank Dr. Brown again so much for coming in and interviewing with me. My name is Laurel Turner, and you can catch all of my other podcasts and interviews on the CSU Collegian and Rocky Mountain Student Media SoundCloud page, or you can check out the KCSU podcasts on iTunes as well as on my DJ blog at kcsufm.com. Thanks for listening.